You're listening to the We're Alright Podcast, hosted by Brandon Oseg. Hello everyone and hopefully it's welcome back for quite a few. be nice um, to have some regular listeners on board by now. Um, for this week's episode, in the words of the one and only Brian Taylor, boy oh boy wowee, have we got something special for you. We're lucky enough to have our second pass player of the club featuring on the pod. And when I think about not just the footy club, but the broader community of Bassendine and who I picture as the face of Bassendine, it is this man. Uh, when I talk to anyone about the pod, he's one of the first people mentioned in terms of which guests should be on based on the quality of content they'll deliver. Um, and even with that, I still think he's likely to exceed any expectations. Um, he actually recommended a live pod upstairs when we're, on a Thursday night with the members when we're um, planning on when we're going to do this, um, which might happen at some point in the future. I'll t- take that one on board. Um, but that just highlighted the type of operator we have on today. Um, he's had a long and distinguished league career, playing 263 games, which sees, sees him inside the top five for games played at the club. Kicked 53 goals, which I know you'd want mentioned. Uh, Swan medalist, three-time state representative, captain the club for six years, I believe. And lastly, but most importantly, is a premiership player. And following on from his footy career, as I mentioned, he's not only prominent at the club, but he's had a which he's had a variety of roles in over the years, uh, be it match day MC, mascot, uh, coach, or runner. Currently. Um, one of, if not the best blokes around the club to have a beer with, um, but he's also prominent in the community of Bassendine, being in the second year as councillor of the Great Shire and Suburb, and let's be honest, the most marketable man involved in, in the Shire. <laughs> and I can't forget one of his more important current roles, and that is being the voice of the introduction of this podcast. Um, surely everyone has figured it out by now, but if you haven't, I'm privileged enough to have the great talent Ames with me. Amesy, how are you going? Welcome. Holy dooly. Uh, that was a bit of uh, an embarrassing uh, <laughs> rap, and, uh, but I appreciate it. And uh, as we mentioned before, sort of going... We're not on air, I suppose, if we just say that before going to recording. Uh, I'm, I'm super pumped to be able to be a part of uh, the Black and White podcast. Um, I think I'm, what, number six or or seven? Yeah, eight maybe. Would have been even. nice to maybe have been number 11, but anyway, we'll, uh, oh. we'll, leave, we'll leave that <laughs> Stars one Stars didn't align. <laughs> but uh, now it's been a ripper and, uh, and yeah, uh, thanks for the, the introduction and I'm looking forward to have a bit of a chinwag in regards to what happens within uh, the boundary uh, oval of, uh, of Swan Districts and, and the Greater Bassendine. Yep, yep, me too. Um, so given we're on a Swan Districts podcast, um, a club which you've been connected to for a very long time, um, we start off with the question, where did your journey at the club or connection at the club begin? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, I've been born, bred and lived in, in Bassendine uh, all my life. Uh, for those that are doing the statistics at home, uh, I'm currently 39 years old, turning 40 this year. Big year. Big year for uh, 83 babies, uh, having a few bevos uh, with all high school mates and those that you're still connected with. Uh, so we lived on Parker Street. Uh, our family still lives on Parker Street where the pub is. Mm-hmm. So I suppose that's... Uh, is a bit of an inkling in regards to some of my <laughs> pastimes uh, after and, uh, and during the week uh, at the Bazo Hotel, which uh, obviously has had a, a fantastic reno the last uh, sort of 12 months. So there's a bit of a plug to the Bassanine Hotel. Um, and our family have uh, obviously been in Bassanine, as I mentioned, and um, my father and my mum, uh, from what I understood back in early days, 
may not have been as footy orientated as was as what they are now with uh, with myself going through uh, football. But we did have a lot of family friends in and around the area during primary school where um, I'd be lumped down to Bass and Dean Oval to to watch the Black and Whites play. So. I suppose my involvement uh, at Swan Districts has been from a very young age, um, you know, hanging over the fence at the end of the goal line, watching the ball sail through the big sticks, you know, all the kids rushing to get the footy and throwing it back into uh, into play. And um, uh, as I suppose any young kid that's involved in a, a hell of a lot of sports, um, sort of gravitated towards uh, the Australian game and uh, and and played it. Uh, more so uh, in primary school years, uh, you might sort of touch on this. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a Trinity old boy, so I suppose started my my serious type of football in in primary school uh, at Trinity College. Uh, I did play for a couple of random junior seasons out at the uh, the Bassendine Junior Football Club uh, out at Jubilee. I suppose we're all Bassendiners would uh, would start kicking off. Um, Great the, club that is in the in the black and white. Absolutely. Um, so, as a Trinity uh, student, uh, Trinity uh, or all, all sport at Trinity came first before club football. So uh, I didn't really have a club per se that I had come from mm-hmm. Trinity, um, and I'm quite half prepared for this uh, this podcast. But I'm uh, I'm looking at the Waffle website. Did a bit of research on myself yeah, before I was coming in. Mention this. <laughs> That's your, um, your club is listed as Trinity, Trinity Quarters, so that's what I was going to ask you. So you're playing a lot of school footy rather than club footy Absolutely, growing yeah. up. Yep, so uh, all throughout my, uh, I suppose, high school year, Trinity uh, football came first. We played uh, on a Friday afternoon in uh, lower high school years and then we did play on a Saturday morning, um, you know, in sort of senior football, which was, you know, year 10 if you were selected in the ones uh, and definitely year 11 and 12. So that then obviously took place of club football on the weekend. Yep. Uh, and you couldn't, you know, I suppose now you definitely couldn't play two games of football, but I suppose when you were a bit younger, you could sort of play two games if you wanted to. Yep. Uh, but I opted to um, obviously just um, put all my, my efforts into into club footy at Trinity. Uh, and then uh, how did I sort of come to play footy here yeah. at Swans? I know things were probably operating a little bit differently in terms of development pathways, but did you, any development squads, were they around? No. Uh, well, I dare say they, they, they may have been around, but having uh, all of my football focused through Trinity, I didn't have the opportunity to uh, sort of go into those development squads. Mm. Uh, back in the day, the footy manager uh, was Jerry O'Day, and um, he was scouting around all of the, the PSA comps, and obviously living in Bassendine, I was uh, zoned to the, the black and white area, so... Um, I was contacted by the football club through the footy manager, then Jerry O'Day, to come on down and have a kick through uh, the Colts program. Mm -hmm. And that would have been uh, in my final year of of schooling at Trinity in the year 2000. Uh, And then from there, sort of played a couple of games in and around the PSA competition that we had uh, in in 2000. And that was when I first started playing Colts football here uh, at Swans. Uh, and then obviously uh, finished high school uh, and graduated in 2000 um, and then started playing Colts football from from then on in, from 2001 onwards. So you played a full year in 2001 and that would have been your first, re- well, 2000, a little bit of a taste and then full season 2001 is a really good good taste of it. Correct, that's right. The yeah. introduction to the club, yeah, right. Um, and before we get into a little bit of um, your, your career, I suppose, at Swans, um, were you... 
was footy an ambition when you were younger, sort of growing up in regards to, you know, a lot of guys who play waffle footy, want to play AFL footy, a lot of young young guys do want to play AFL footy or did you have other sports that were in the picture at all or did you fall into wanting to do football a little bit later? How, how did that all sort of come about? What, what was it like for you growing up? Yeah, uh, I, uh, I suppose from a young age uh, was uh, a t-baller. Oh, wow. So uh, threw the bat around and, uh, and had the glove and I've still got my junior glove sitting in my closet at home. Uh, so I was a, uh, a baseballer moving into that. My father uh, was a baseballer when he was um, uh, a kid. So I suppose that's sort of what dropped, rubbed off on me. Yep. So uh, our, very, our very first team was just down here at the BIC Reserve um, after school at St. Michael's called the Milk Meteors. <laughs> What a name! What a name! <laughs> Come up with the that. milk meteors, uh, and for those <laughs> that are listening, that's that, a dangerous name. If you <laughs> those, those that are listening to the podcast that uh, you know may have uh, a Trinity connection through me, uh, they'll froth over the milk meteors because we, we were we were unreal, <laughs> we were unreal, uh, and it was coached by one of my mates' um, dads just down here at the BIC Reserve uh, in front of the um, uh, the tennis club and, and the bowls club and the and the the council chambers and. Uh, from there, uh, I played, um, I suppose, peewee baseball and state baseball and that sort of stuff. And yep. there was a, and obviously a point in time in, in everyone's sporting career or ventures that you've got to go and take one pathway. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, I obviously took football firstly because um, I suppose I was playing football at school, at, at high school, so I had a bit more knack about that. Uh, I was a, a third baseman and a pitcher when I was playing uh, peewee baseball or just, you know, I suppose club baseball. Um, they threw me into pitch one day and I think I hit about three or four batters. <laughs> so I was like, Body okay, yeah, I was like, so, you know, maybe what what is a, a better choice for me in regards to my skill set? And we'll, we'll move on to, uh, I suppose, my, uh, my football ability later on, um, which from my perspective isn't too crash hot, but, you know, I did – a few bits and pieces. A lot, of, a lot of humility. All right. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, so football was more so on the cards. Obviously, living ar- uh, around the corner in Bassendine uh, from the football over was quite convenient. Yep. Uh, and I suppose is part of the reason why I've hung around from the football club so long because it, of just the convenience yep. um, of being <laughs> in and around the club. And I've, I've mentioned that in a number of different, I suppose, interviews or that sort of stuff that I had in my, my length of tenure here is that, well, you know, why are you a one-club player? Well, just around the corner like it's, it's just easy to go to makes sense um not like me yeah well, moving away <laughs> and making, i have <laughs> i have absolute kudos for like some of our our players that have come from the club like i know the hams brothers cole and um and uh Ashton, Ash hams yeah. were traveling like from beacon or so no from beckenham like halfway literally halfway across the town to come to a training session mm. uh you know you've got players that are coming from north or or, or obviously south um to come to a training session. I was like, all right, these guys have been at work all day. They've been on the tools. They travel half an hour. I'm just sitting in office, maybe a personal training studio. I can ride to the, the club and, and no dramas. Then they've got to go all the way back home, especially after like a solid night's training worth or, you know, when we've got club selection, when we're here for, you know, a few more hours on a on a weekday. So yeah. um, convenience was was definitely a part of, I suppose, my length of tenure here. Yeah. Um, but I suppose we're digressing. Um, <laughs> no, going, I like that though. Going back to, I suppose, was footy always in my blood. Yep. Um, back when I was playing high school football, like, you know, year eights or year nines, mm. I bloody hated football. I hated it. Yeah, right. Um, 
I'm a pretty lean type of bloke and I've always had a pretty lean sort of body. Yeah, yeah. And playing footy in the winter in the rain is bloody shit out. No good for like, you. It's no good. I'm standing <laughs> there and, uh, you know, either at you know one end of the ground, whether I was full back or full forward back in the day or running around, but I was like, why, why am I standing here in the rain for? Mm. Um, but, you know, not being um, overzealous of, of, of my ability, I was, I was okay at so, Boy, you must have been um, getting so, picked away. <laughs> so, so, so I suppose that's the reason why I sort of stuck at it. Yeah. Um, and uh, I enjoyed it. Like I enjoyed the team camaraderie. I've always been part of a team. I enjoy, you know, going to battle with, you know, other uh, players or, or friends or mates that, uh, you know, would obviously think the same of me. And yep. um, I've always been part of teams and being uh, within a team that you're relied on and you rely on other people, I suppose, is, is um, you know, what footy is all about yeah. and something that, uh, you know, really draws me to, uh, to, to the, like, just to be a part of it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and one of the biggest parts of it, isn't it? The people that you're doing it with. That's right. Um, so, yeah, we, we mentioned before 2001, you sort of were playing like a, a proper season of Colts. Um, you debuted from a league perspective in 2002. So I'm guessing you were playing Colts up until then. Did you play, do you remember if you played any reserves footy or was it just purely Colts and then um, leading up to that, that debut gig that you got? Yeah, I think in 2001, I think we got pushed up. Um, uh, or I got pushed up playing a, a couple of reserves games. Yep. Uh, I do remember that we had one game against South Fremantle um, here at, uh, at Bassendino. In the reserves? In the reserves. And I was, I was, geez, I, 10 kilos dripping wet. <laughs> and I got thrusted into like a centre half forward or a ruck position. And this older, senior, more reserves guy absolutely clipped me. And I was like, oh, there's no way that I can play senior. When football. you say clipped, yeah. Oh, like just ran into me. Yeah. I think maybe threw an elbow at yeah. me. Yeah. You know, knew that I was, you know, just some young pup that's come up from the Colts just to fill a spot. Mm. Uh, and that was the days that where you know, as a club, we were we were battling in yeah. regards to players. Yeah, yeah. You know, the club was about to fold. Yep. Um, you know, I think this may have been discussed in one of your previous podcasts. Josh, Josh um, Roberts, and, I reckon. Yeah. And, and just to reinforce that, like, yeah, we were we were battling on the field, uh, off the field, and um, the coaching staffs across all three all three levels were just trying to do something funky to be able to get some wins on the board. Yeah, absolutely. So throw these young kids up. That's no drama. Just give them a bit of a run for their money. Uh, and um, and yeah, I, I was watching some some old footage of myself on that game, and I was this tall streak of duck shit that didn't know what was going down, didn't know how his body moved in space. <laughs> but I just got the ball a couple of times, um, and that was my I suppose my first taste of, of senior football. Um, and I, I think I was up and down, not holding a spot in anywhere yep. for um, you know 2001. Uh, and then moving into into 2002, where um, yeah, we debuted or I debuted um, against East Perth. You did, Leaderville, um, round Leaderville 12. Got absolutely whacked. Yeah, I think it was a one win um, season in 2002 for the league side as well. That wouldn't be um, unsurprising. Yeah. Um, yeah. Do you have the margin there? Do we get like whacked by like 90, oh, like 90 to, have it in 90 front or 92 of points? I don't have it in front of me, but it was it was big. It was it was it large. was big. Yeah, it was large. Um, yeah. So I was going to ask you what the transition was like from sort of Colts into more senior footy, which you've sort of answered. It sounds like it was pretty daunting. Um, but that game round that round twelve game in two thousand and two, when you actually played your first league game, what do you um, what do you remember 
about the day. It was only a couple of weeks ago that you were presenting a jumper in the change rooms to a first gamer. Um, it's not um, something that you forget, um, the detail of the day. Like, what do you remember from the day and what was the feeling going into the game? I woke up shit scared, yeah. like 100%, because back in the day, East Perth, I think, didn't East Perth win the I think treble, that, one, yeah, two and three? That would have been in the middle of it, right, I They were flying. Yeah. They were flying. Yeah. And, um, you know, you had these big guys like, Devin Perry, uh, Swan Brothers, uh, who else was floating around? Ryan Turnbull, Turnbull was yeah. playing then. Uh, you know, all these East Perth greats during their heyday. And I've got uh, the opportunity to, 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 you know, to debut um, where we're getting whacked by 100 points every game mm. up against the league leaders. Yeah. And I woke up going like, wow, like, what's going to happen? <laughs> and back in the day... Um, John Todd was coaching. Yeah, yeah, I had that down. Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> and um, it wasn't like nowadays where rotations are happening in the first two or three minutes of the game. It was you sit on the bench until someone got injured or until someone wasn't performing well, yep. and then you got thrusted on. So, I think I was on the bench for at least a good quarter yeah, and okay. a half. Um, I think the day was pretty fine. I don't think there was much rain that day, mm. and um, I got thrusted onto a wing. On a wing? Yeah, so I, I debuted on a wing uh, and I was <laughs> – my head was just going around in circles and circles and in circles thinking about what's going down, how do I, you know, approach the centre bounces, what's this bloke that is most probably about 100 kilos heavier than me and lean <laughs> and ripped and big and here's me like pale, white, just, you know, my jumper's most probably too big for me and uh, it was just an incredible experience. Um, I think I got my first kick – I ran through a pack, uh, like cleaned the ball up, silky smooth, and I think I was like, oh, wow, that's actually pretty good. Might be easy. Like, and <laughs> I, I, I think I, I laced it out and I was like, geez, I've got this. That's Le- no drama. League footy, no worries. Yeah. And then the next contest, I got absolutely belted yeah. and they're the only two things I can remember other than the, <laughs> than, than the margin. Like I said, we got whacked by at least 90 points. I think it might have been 91, 92, 93 points. Yeah. And um, I remember being in the change rooms afterwards, uh, absolutely getting a bake. And back then, John Todd would go through every individual player <laughs> and say, how shit you were. Yeah. You're this, <laughs> you're that. And you would know when your turn is coming because we're all sitting around the uh, outskirts of the room, yeah. our backs against the wall. And he'd start at, okay, Brandon, this is what, yada, yada, yada. And then he'd go to the next person and you know when your time is going to come. <laughs> he didn't like dart between plays and go like in a bit of a zigzag. He just went around the room. You might have been more nervous for that than before the game. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, I remember when I walked first into the club, uh, talking about sort of the John Todd era, mm. um, not about this game, but the first time I walked into the club and Jerry O'Day, who, who introduced me to the club, he walked me into the front doors and it just so happened that John Todd was at reception. And um, Jerry goes, oh, hi, this is Talon. He's, he's come from, uh, from Trinity College. Um, you know, he's going to be part of our Colts program. And um, if you've ever shook or shaken John Todd's hand, mm. uh, those of you that have listened to the podcast will know that it's like, it's like shaking almost like a bag of twisties, right? He's just got all of these fingers that have been broken through his playing career and everything he's done right. And he's got fingers that are at left intervals. He's got fingers that are in, fingers that are out. I shook this guy's hand, the, the, the head coach of Oswego's football club. I, I shut my pants. I, I shut my pants further when I shook his hand. And then I shut my, 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 my pants further. He goes, oh, yeah, 
you'll be right in about five or six years' time. And I was <laughs> like, oh, here's, here's Early me, feedback. Here's me walking in, you know, thinking that uh, it's going to be a great day. Um, the funny thing was, and I'll always remember this, is that I sort of started to hit my straps at around about 2005, 2006. Yeah, yeah. And I look back and I go, bloody hell, like John Todd knew what he was looking yeah, at. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, so that was my first experience walking to the club yeah. and obviously my first game as well. Yeah, and um, what, what so even school footy at Trinity Aquinas, but around that time, Colts, et cetera, what position were you playing? Because I reckon... I've seen footage of you playing forward early days mm. in the league side. So what position – you said you debuted on a wing, but what position were you playing around that time? Yeah, um, obviously I was a uh, – um, you know, I still am a, a tall centre bloke, so I was more so playing in the ruck. Yeah. Playing in the ruck, playing um, centre-half forward, uh, and every now and then uh, I suppose just through like a rotation uh, I'd find myself on a wing. Um, you wouldn't put a ruckman on the – on the wing nowadays, but back in the day, it was just sort of wherever you needed to be as a player to either uh, stop an opposition player or if someone got injured, well, yeah. you just go over there and check it out. So, in um, saying that, though, Doc Blakely, Nathan Blakely, was talking up his chances late in the preseason about a potential wing appearance. Just I wanted to just throw that in. Well, so you're saying Ruckman, well, I, another left left footer too. Yeah, well, yeah. I dare say if, uh, if Doc's listening to this, um, mate, um, dream, uh, you know, make your dreams big, you know. <laughs> and, uh, I'm, you know, if you ask, uh, if you ask uh, Pruy, it might just come to fruition yeah. depending on how the season goes. We've got to be realistic anyway. though. We've got to be realistic too. But yeah, no, nah, Doc yeah. Dreaming, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, uh, more so playing in the middle uh, as a ruckman, um, sort of sliding forward. Uh, I remember very distinctly in my final season of uh, football at Trinity College playing in the first 18 when um, I was the same year group as Daniel Kerr and uh, Quinton Lynch oh, wow. and that sort of stuff. They played for Aquinas yeah. on Trinity. Uh, and... It was coming up to finals for uh, the Alco Cup and um, I only found about this later after the game had happened um, and after the injury that uh, I was uh, earmarked to just be taken out. And back in the day, obviously, you can sort of go and snipe players Do and that, that sort of stuff. Yeah. And, mate, on the high school footy field, there's no cameras. Mm. And uh, in the very first set of bounce, um, I've got Ashley Sampy as a ruck rover um, at Trinity. Jeez, that'd be a nice combo. Um, and uh, so I'm in the ruck. Ashley Sampy's down there ruck roving and I'm eyeballing Quinton Lynch on the other side of uh, the non-circle then because there was no circles back in the ruck days. So you could run up for as long as you need to and go yeah. straight through and the opposition ruck. How big was he then? He was huge. We, <laughs> we know he, he was, was a big man. He when was a playing. man. Like, he was a <laughs> yeah. man. Yeah. And I'm a team. He's got a beard. I, I still, I'm 40 years old and I still can't grow a beard. <laughs> he, he's there. He's got his big, broad shoulders. And he ran through me like an absolute steam train, split me open on the eyebrow, um, and I got instantly knocked out. All I can remember <laughs> is Ashley Sanfi leaning over me and he goes, Hey, bro, um, are you okay, Amesy? Like, you've got blood all over your face, mate. And I was like, Oh, no. And I got taken off and I think I got three internal stitches. I had six on the outside and I think Aquinas ended up winning the game. They were just like men at yeah. Aquinas and we were just, you know, schoolboys. And um, yeah, that was a pretty good reminder of, um, of yeah, how what it takes to play football at any level. Yep, yep. Um, but no, no uh, sign of 
the key defender that you became at that stage anyway. Absolutely zero. <laughs> um, and so you've debuted in 2002. You didn't play league footy again until round six of 2003. I'm guessing a little bit of that is based on the advice that Toddy gave you in terms of not being ready for five or um, six years. Uh, what do you reckon changed... Um, sort of between your first game in 2002 and then when you next played in 2003, if anything, um, because from that point on, you were pretty regular in the league side. So I don't know, is there anything that changed or was it just a sort of a natural thing? I know there was a change, I believe there was a change of coach as well, but I don't know if that had anything to do with it. But from your point of view, do you remember there being anything significant that you did or any change that maybe sort of led to you being more prepared for it? Yeah, look, and I, I know these questions are going to sort of pop up in regards to, hey, what do you remember about this and what do you remember about that and, and that sort of stuff. And um, I'm not sure if I'm a strong candidate for like Alzheimer's or dementia <laughs> moving forward, but can't um, a lot of it. I can't remember a lot of yeah, like yeah. the early footy days. Yeah. Um, and I think I put that down to like I really live like in the moment. Mm. Um I've had uh, partners in the past that have said that's a very toxic trait, like living <laughs> in the moment. And I was like, are you serious? Like, the only time that you actually can live is right here, right now. Yeah. Um, I don't dwell on the past too much because the past is just what happens, whether it's a success or whether it's failure. You've just got to keep on looking forward. And yep. that's, I suppose, how I live my life, whether it's good, bad or ugly. So uh, to answer your question, what sort of changed? I think I just played more senior football. I was in an environment that was, um, you know, uh, a little bit more, uh, I suppose, senior football orientated. Uh, you know, the running ramped up, the weight training ramped up. I'm still trying to put on my size. I suppose that's the, the body person, also the body type that I am. Yeah. I could lift weights, you know, all my life and I still won't get as as robust as the current skipper of Swan Districts Footy Club in yourself, mate. Uh, you know, Co-skipper. Co the, yeah. the other one's a bit rangy, bit rangier. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, uh, so, um, yeah, I think it was just being in that environment where you wanted to put your best foot forward and yep. prove not only to yourself but to others that you were capable of playing senior football. Yep. Yeah, there was a, uh, a change uh, in coaching ranks and I suppose uh, a bit of – sports science came into play as well. Toddy, the old school mentality of there is no substitute for running. Yeah, so I heard you, there were some big Sunday sessions post the game oh, from Sunday, Toddy. Sunday sessions were the more than likely the hardest sessions after the game yeah. where if we were getting belted by 100 points, we would go run around Yokine Reserve, uh, you know, all the way from uh, – what's the main road there? Alexander Drive all the way around – to the back of the bowling club twice, which I think is about maybe a three or four k loop. Yeah, and you have to do it twice. And if you didn't do it within if you didn't do it within half an hour, you have to do it again. And he just ride around on his push bike. That's post. This is post game. This day is, after the game. This is Sunday morning. Yeah. And the only way that you couldn't be at that training session is if you had a broken leg, and you had to rock up in the plaster of Paris <laughs> cast. I was rolling in from the nightclub. <laughs> Like literally, <laughs> you're rolling, rolling in like, for different reasons roll, rolling, in a wheelchair, roll, maybe. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Like uh, a couple of guys will be parking at the bowling club, getting their kit, their, their running kit, and walking around to the start line. So Toddy wouldn't see him rolling in the car. Yeah. And as we're 
running around, you'd see all the cars that are lined up from all the senior boys that are just rolling in from the nightclub. <laughs> um, again, we're, we're digressing. Uh, the changes between, I suppose, starting it and then getting a, a regular league spot yeah. um, was um, positional as well. Yep. You know, there was an opportunity where, um, you know, someone needed to come and play position uh, and there was times where I was given a role. And I suppose this is where, I suppose, Brian Dawson was, was pretty switched on to say, well, if, if Amesy had a job to do and a set of instructions, yep. he'd be able to do it. Mm-hmm. Don't give Amesy free reign on the footy field <laughs> because he'd massively cock it up. Yeah, And I suppose that's where, uh, you know, I've, I actually found a lot of, uh, confidence and I suppose safety and a lot of um, also a bit of pleasure to say that the team relies on Amesy to do this particular job. Yep. Uh, and if I didn't do it, I'd let 21 other players down. But I took, uh, I really took it on board to say, well, hey, like if I do this job, whether it's shut down this wingman when I was early in my career um, or then obviously transitioning to uh, a defender. Yeah. You have to negate this opposition play and if you do that, we win the game. Yeah. And more often than not, that was the case moving into sort of some heavy-duty senior football yeah, and yeah. playing against some pretty, you know, solid uh, full forwards. And yeah, absolutely. I enjoyed doing it and, um, you know, it reinforced, I suppose, that, uh, you know, you've got the skills and the attributes in that particular role to do a really good job. Yeah. Um, so, yes, yeah, 03 to... 06, you basically played uh, just league footy, um, only league footy, um, and that culminated in you getting your first state gig in 2006. Um, so <clears throat> from so from 2003, had you started playing backline then, or were you still playing different positions? No, I was still floating around. Yeah. Um, um, I think, uh, you know, we can do a bit of personal plugging here. I think there was a news article that uh, said that I was uh, – <laughs> The Mr. Fix-It of Bassendine. So he was the, hey. old, the, the, old, the early Adam Hunter before he yes. was Adam Hunter yeah, yeah, at yeah, the yeah, AFL yeah. level. Um, <laughs> no, I didn't go through my scrapbook before coming on to the podcast, <laughs> but, I, but I should go through it. Uh, yeah, there was a, you know, and, and that's exactly what I said. I said, you know, the main the opportunity that I got was because there was either a hole that needed to be filled yeah. or, or a play went down and, um, you know, there was an opportunity for, for someone that had a, Back in the day, they I used to be called, and they used to call us utilities. Yeah, right. Yeah, you don't hear that you word a lot you now. You don't hear that like word. That, that was at the all. word. Yeah, that 100%. was the word. You know, yeah. you were a, a utility player. So, uh, you know, did you go here? Did you go there? Did you go everywhere? Well, that was what I was sort of classed yeah. as. So, um, and that was great because I, at that point in time, you know, I was still finding my feet about you know where and and how I was to to play senior football until um, I sort of got pigeonholed um, by Brian Dawson, which was obviously the, the stroke of genius. So that was later on though. Yeah, yeah. Like I was still playing. Because he wasn't coaching at that, that no, point um, in time. No, I would have been, I would have been uh, predominantly a ruckman. Yeah, okay. So what did you play state footy as? I played state footy as a ruckman. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, and, you know, touching on that first uh, state game in 2006. South we, Australia. When we went to Adelaide. Yeah. yeah um, I was, I think, a, I was named as a wingman or like a, a, a midfielder. Mm. But then I think that weekend before, uh, Luke Newick from Subiaco, uh, I think had injured himself or was going to be more of a backup ruckman. So I think on the flight over or at our league or at our 
our meeting at the hotel room. Um, who was the coach? Um, this Peter German. Maybe uh, at the time. Uh, who else? Would make sense if it was Peter German given how Subi were going at yep, the time. Yep, yep. Um, could have even been um, who was a South Fremantle coach. Could have been Dimmer maybe. Yep. Anyway, um, that uh, escapes me. But they said, uh, Ames, you're going to start in the ruck. And I was like, whoa, whoa, hang on. There are so many better and more experienced ruckmen in this state side. You want mm. me to start? They said, yeah, you'll do, you'll do a good job. I was like, okay, no dramas. <laughs> I'll give it a crack. Uh, went to sleep that night, literally with my butthole, like just like <laughs> twitching hard. Like I, The calibre of uh, Ruckman and spine players from South Australia were elite. And they were all ex-AFL yeah, players that yeah. were playing in the SNN and AFL. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I remember this so vividly. Uh, the game starts, obviously. The umpire blows his whistle. And we're playing on Adelaide Oval. And it's the cricket pitch. And the umpire bounces the ball. And the ball stayed up in the air, I reckon, for about... No word of a lie, a good five seconds, right? Yeah, which is We're a long time. We're talking like yeah. five, four, and this ball is up there, and I'm looking at the ball, and my eyes are fluttering down at the ruckman. Obviously, that but that was before we had the, the centre yeah. um, circle. You take as big a run up as you wanted. And yeah. this ruckman was coming at me like a shower of shit. I was like, oh, I'll <laughs> just brace, brace for, brace for hell to get the knee up. So the knee goes up, right? The knee goes up to protect myself, and I'm pretty sure I gave away a free kick in my first run contest at state level yeah. and uh, yeah, that was a bit of a, a bit of a balls up, but um, we were quite competitive uh, throughout that day from what I can remember. And mm. I think we lost it in the last quarter. Yep. Um, the Crow Eaters sort of ran over us, but we were very competitive for three quarters yep. and we had it in there. And, um, and yeah, what, a, what an awesome experience. Uh, being as young as I was, uh, first state game, uh, lead Ruckman, uh, just a travel experience and, and, and being around some of the other players was, was super. Yeah. And um, having a couple of froths afterwards. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Um, did, you feel, did you feel like you were sort of at that level um, playing state at the time? Like you would have played – by that stage you would have been between 50 and 100 league games at Swans level. I'm guessing you felt fairly confident by then from a league perspective at Swan Districts in terms of it being at the level and your spot in the team for Swans, did you sort of feel like you were at that level or did you feel a bit out of place playing that that first state game? Uh, I suppose in regards to the calibre of players that were selected and obviously who we were up against, uh, you know, it definitely uh, made you reflect on, you know, the player that you are and 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 where I suppose you sit in the in the pecking order of ability. Yep. Um, I'd played a, two full seasons of footy in 2004 and, and 2005. And you played the back half of 03. So you did have that um, sort yeah. of sustained run prior to, yeah, at multiple right. level. That's right. And, uh, and I, I'd started quite well um, in 2006 solely because uh, I had the opportunity, you might touch on this later on, um, as a potential draftee uh, in 2005. Mm-hmm which uh, obviously didn't work out. Yep. So I went into the first half of 2006 after um, sort of being knocked back by the AFL and said, well, I'm going to give this a bloody red hot crack. If I'm not going to play AFL level now or in the future, well, then I've got to put all my effort into playing uh, at a waffle level. Yep. So, you know, that particular uh, pre-season at the end of 2005, I was over in, in, in Melbourne, literally live, um, you know, wake up, train, 
um, sleep, do it again, do it again. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And that was an incredible experience. And yeah. I then obviously um, come back from Melbourne and, and continued to do that in the in the first half or in the first half of um, sorry in the January February preseason leading up to two thousand and six. Yeah. Um, you know, so I was fit, I was strong. Uh, and, uh, yeah, it obviously um, was rewarded with uh, a state game, but um, towards the middle of the season um, was where I encountered my first sort of pretty serious injury. Mm, yeah, um, we'll, we'll touch on that. Um, just through that 03 to 06 period as well, you played um, finals, you tasted finals at league level for uh, the first time. 04, you guys made a prelim, um, and in a nice little sort of caveat um, at the time, the finals were played at Subiaco Oval, which we spoke to J-Row about during the pod. Um, that would have been a nice experience, no doubt. Yeah, absolutely. It was uh, it was a ripper. Uh, obviously, Subiaco played there during their home and away games. Yeah. Um, and, you know, playing it uh, at Subiaco Oval, the, the home of AFL in, in WA, was, was awesome. Mm. Um, but let alone playing uh, in a final series, which was great. And it just ramped everything up in regards to the intensity, uh, you know, what's expected of you as a player, um, on the field, off the field. Uh, to be blatantly honest, I don't really have much sort of recollection of, of finals at that yeah. sort of time yeah. um, as I been, was open and honest. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's fine. Uh, yeah. Earlier on in, in the pod. You did make a prelim. I can tell you that. Yeah. Uh, when did we make the prelim? Oh, four. And who, and who do we play? Oh, I'd say off the top of my head, maybe South Fremantle. Yeah, we've had a few prelims against South Fremantle. Yeah, um, but but yeah, that that would have been at a time when the club had not had much success. No. So it would have been a pretty good experience, I'm guessing as well. Yeah, would have been amazing. Yeah, yeah. you know, and playing at a prelim and obviously going down, um, you know, would have just reinforced that you know we were going somewhere as a football club. Yep. Uh, and you know, putting a lot of effort into you know recruitment during that time, we would have had you know some players that would have come in. You know, players like. Brady Anderson, um, players like Adam Lang, yep. uh, players like uh, who else would have come to the club at that point in time? Um, a couple that have come from the East Coast. Mm. We had one that come from uh, a couple that have come from up in the Northern Territory leagues. I I misplaced their names. Yep. Uh, but we were sort of pushing, yeah, yeah. moving forward. Yep. And it was uh, it was super to be a part of. Yep. Yep. Um, and we know there was a bit of that through the next period we'll talk about, which was 07 to 2010, which was quite a successful period for the club. Um, before we do, just touch on that injury, that first major injury you encountered in 2006. Yeah, it was uh, after the state game. Because uh, you only played nine games that year. I played nine games, footy. Yeah. yeah. And um, it was just uh, here on a, on a Thursday night, captain's run, you know, uh, we all know that the lighting at, at the town of Bassendine's Bassendine Oval is still the same as what it's been since the 70s or 80s, but yeah. uh, we might touch on that later on in the yeah, podcast. Well, I don't want to say too much and get myself in trouble, but yeah. Yeah, yeah there you go. <laughs> and um, it was, uh, we were doing this real basic crumbing drill uh, in front of the uh, RA McDonald and the Billy Walker stands. Yep. And uh, the ball bounced. I just moved to one side very quickly, um, tweaked my left knee, um, and ended up having quite a quite a severe uh, meniscus tear. And uh, obviously, you you go down like a sack of spuds. Uh, your knee locks up. Uh, you go, oh, hang on, I've I've done a bit of mischief here. 
and went to you know straight to see the physio and got the appropriate referrals to uh, to get medical imaging and so on and so forth and uh, and they said oh look you know for such an injury we need to operate on it uh, and I think that was on a Thursday I think by the next Thursday I was already under the knife and there was a situation where you know do I really really push it to be able to make the end of the year and I think we sort of dived in regards to our sort of position and uh, the ability for us to play finals then. And yeah. uh, it was sort of made a call three quarters of the way through the season to say, hey, look, put yourself on ice, put yourself in um, in cotton wool and uh, and prepare for a big, a big, a big pre-season yeah. um, leading into the next <coughs> season. And um, and that's what we did. So, yeah, it was a bit of a, uh, a bugger to start so well, you know, play a, a state game uh, and uh, and then, you know, have an injury sort of, you know, ruin the rest of your season. But... Uh, Mate, life goes on and, mm. you know, I've uh, definitely come out unscathed uh, when it comes to injuries in comparison to some other players that have played for a length of time yep. at, um, at any level of football. So um, this knee still gives me a grief now. Mm. Um, but, uh, mate, it's still attached <laughs> and that's, um, the that's the main thing. And, uh, yeah, obviously it was, uh, it, it was well operated on and, and well looked after and... Um, we kicked on, no pun intended, there for the remainder of our career. <laughs> um, yeah, so we'll get into the next sort of part, which was uh, pretty successful. I say 07 to 2010. I think it really it's 2008. And I'll, before I do that, I just want to say a lot of people should take note that you're the first guest that has brought your own sort of notes in, which I <laughs> appreciate. Because, <laughs> uh, yeah, especially like in terms of the memory and being able to give me some real good, solid smooth responses mind you there's been a few that have been really good off the cuff but anyone who comes on in future take note that's yeah. all i'm going to say well as i said i was i was open and honest to say that i don't remember <laughs> much and maybe that's because of the off-field scenario that we, we might touch on later yeah. on but uh, <laughs> but, uh you know, when yeah. you have a long and distinguished career also also oh, yeah <laughs> also, okay. I'll, I'll give you that too, but, yeah, uh, so. I, I really appreciate the comment there thanks brandon <laughs> um so yeah, obviously uh, there were there were a lot of moving parts in those couple of years, sort of around the 08 range to 09, 010, um, in terms of changes and additions to the to the club. You touched on the fact that probably 04, 05, etc. You had some recruits that had come in, and the club had sort of been building towards feeling like they could be a bit more successful than they had been in the years prior, probably when you were starting out. But Brian Dawson obviously got appointed ahead of the 2008 season as coach. Um, Tim Gapen, Wade Toomey and Brett Robinson came in um, at that time to the side as recruits. And then that was solid, sort of followed by names such as Ben Colreavy, Tom Roach, um, recommitment of Ryan Davis after he got delisted by the Eagles, even though he'd already been playing for the club, uh, Matt Riggio, and then probably most importantly, Andy Cracker. Um and that was alongside the locals and guys who were on AFL lists still at the time playing for the club as well. Um, so, yeah, obviously it was uh, 2008, you guys made a grand final, which you were unfortunately not playing in, which I'm guessing was due to, to injury um, at the time. Um, so probably hard for you to comment on that. But how did it with, – with, with Brian Dawson coming in, because J-Ro, Josh Roberts sort of touched on the fact that he had a fairly big influence. Um, did it feel, and with some of the recruits, did it sort of feel different at that time? Did things feel a little bit different? Um, did you feel, did you feel like there was going to be that success coming? Yeah, well, uh, yeah, Dorse definitely had a different knack of delivering information yep. and, and coaching. Um, and for those that weren't aware, like Dorse was in the Eagles 
sort of change rooms or in the in the in the business of the Eagles for years and years and years through his uh, academia and his sports science. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, Dorf just didn't come from off the street into a head coaching role. He had a lot of experience, understanding, and know-how of um, you know AFL football and and just football in general from what he was um, doing at the Eagles. Um, and a lot of our players didn't know that. Like, like, who, who's his Brian Dawson yeah, guy? Um, yeah. But I had a lot of confidence because I knew exactly what he'd, um, he'd bring to the table from a, uh, a sports science perspective, um, which, you know, I've got a, a not as extensive as Brian Dawson, nowhere near, but, um, you know, coming in and being in the fitness industry and, and being sports science qualified, you know, that was of, of grave interest to myself. Yep. Um, and I suppose the previous year we had um, Steve Turner resign due to personal and work commitments. We then had uh, Chris Lewis as a caretaker Actually, coach. Yeah, sorry, I didn't, didn't right. forgot to mention that. That and was fairly brief, wasn't it? It yeah. was. It, it was fairly brief, uh, and it was. Yeah, Chris Lewis as a caretaker coach was was different. <laughs> um, Interesting experience. We had Peter Matera as an assistant yep. coach as well yep. back in the day. Yep. Yep. Uh, you know, so all these Eagles uh, stalwarts had come on into you know, obviously doing some assistant coaching and helping Steve Turner. And Steve Turner had to move on from uh, for, for personal and, and more so work commitments. Yeah. Um, so we had uh, you know like the superstars of the of the Eagles uh, Premiership side run the show mm. and. Um, I remember we played Peel down in Bunbury for like a regional game and we were flying and we lost it in the last quarter. It started belting down with rain and we lost like a X number of goal lead and we ended up losing by the same amount. Like the turnaround <laughs> was was unbelievably terrible. Yep. And um, uh, Chris Lewis was took us into the change rooms and absolutely fed us one by one by one John by one. Like style. John Todd style, right? <laughs> J-Ro and I, I think I caught J-Ro's eye and we're like, oh, no, here we go again. We've, we've seen this unfold in the past. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so moving from that uh, sort of was a, a bit of a all-over-the-shop year, as you had mentioned, to now having, you know, some solidified um, sort of coaching roles moving forward with uh, Dorse. Uh, yeah, it was it was great. Um, obviously, we went all the way through to a grand final that year. We had players like Shane Beros, who had never experienced a grand final yeah. before. That you know, stored the club. You yeah. would still find him, you know, at the twenty fifth minute of the fourth quarter of that grand final, still being dragged off the ground at the bottom of the pack. Um, I do remember, as a bit of a side note, I put my knee through Shane Beros's head in a marking contest against Subiaco on a Friday night. And half his face swelled up because one of his salivary ducts got blocked. Yeah, right. And his Jesus. face just exploded and exploded yeah. and had to get surgery on. I felt so bad. He would have been happy with you. Oh, mate. I, like, every day cruised over to his place in Bassadine, dropping off soup, like, how are you, mate? Like, being, like, so apologetic. <laughs> He'd be like, nah, like, don't worry. You know, it's all part of footy. And, and, and that's what shame was all about. Yeah. Like, in and under, whatever happened, happened. And, mm. um, like, you know, his broken broken hands and playing foot like it was just like I was like oh yeah. my god like yeah. I've, I've, I've seriously injured he can't play because I put my knee into his head um, yeah so anyway we digress um, but yeah uh, played a few games that year and um, quite seriously busted an ankle yeah um, I had to go get it operated on uh, I think in that pre-season but uh, yeah that, that ankle is actually super fine now but um it was I was an emergency, and um, I'm pretty sure it was between myself and Michael Johnson. Yeah, um, he was, was coming 
from an, uh, a, sh- a shoulder injury as well. Yep. Um, and Dorse opted to uh, run with um, uh, Mickey Jono, which is obviously um, part and parcel of, of playing footy. And yep. uh, obviously I was there supporting the boys and uh, we were flying. Uh, yeah, early. We were flying early. early that yeah, I was like, I, I do blatantly remember, um, sorry Dorse and everyone that was playing that game, I do remember blatantly as soon as the first bounce had bounced, I cracked open a can and started drinking this. <laughs> And I was like, "Well, like you. well, I can't, I can't play now. I, I, I legitimately can't play now, so I might as well enjoy the day." Had to wait for that first bounce. <laughs> Had to wait for that first bounce to be bounced, and it was like, and then away we went. Um, but it, we were flying. I'm like, "Oh man, um, we're gonna run over there." And Subiaco were a stalwart of of, of uh, yeah, well, of football. I'm guessing the expectation. Look, obviously, you don't go into a grand final not wanting to win or anything like that. But the expectation can't have been too high because they Underdogs. were so they were so dominant at that time. Absolutely, you know, I think we um, we ended up squaring off with them in the um, prelim of 2009. You know, that was strong for years and years and years, um, and uh, it was awesome to be able to you know be able to front up and and play against them. Yeah, uh, and yeah, we were flying and um, they just ran over us in the last quarter. Yeah, uh, which was uh, super unfortunate and uh, and yeah, it was obviously a, a super. A successful year, um, but we fell short. We had to rebuild again. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and no doubt it would have been tough watching from the side. Mind you, though, from what you've just said to me, maybe it wasn't so tough because you were feeling pretty good by it. Uh, I think it was more so drowning my sorrows that I wasn't yeah. having, I, that I, I didn't have the ability because I thought I had the ability to play, um, even though I was under an injury cloud. Um, you know, you do all the training, you do all your treatment, you do all the fitness testing. Yeah. Hey, Dawson, I'm ready to go. Pick me, coach. Yeah. Um, and opted to go with another player just due to matchups or whatever. And that's obviously um, football. Yeah, it's and, always tough. Those types of discussions and those types of decisions to make and that yeah, kind of thing. Yeah. You know, and I'm, you know, I'm not the only player that's been in those positions before. You know, you've had other previous, um, you know, pod members that have been in worse situations than myself. And um, you know, we accept that as as footballers and as and as men, and we we learn from it. We we uh, acknowledge it, we uh, process it, and then you know, if the situation comes about again for ourselves, we can handle it differently, or if we're yep. put in the situation as a coach or as a selector in the future, we've also got that understanding about what that player is actually more than likely feeling, you know, how we felt back in the day. So yep. um, those experiences around football clubs uh, will happen every round. Oh, They'll happen every game. Absolutely. Um, and yeah, that's if, part of it. Yeah, and uh, hopefully you're just not on the end of more of them um, yeah. What you would wish. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and 2009, was that a blip on the radar? Uh, you guys did make the, the prelim or the second last week, obviously, but didn't get into the grand final. Um, do you reckon there was a bit of a blip on the radar that year? Because externally you'd look at it and say it's a successful year, but just given the fact you guys made the grand final the year before, some of the talent you've probably gotten in, Dorse had been there for a year. Do you reckon that was a bit of a blip on the radar or, or in, felt like an underachievement? Yeah, yeah. Like 100%. Yeah, yeah. We we were all over Subiaco that game in, in, in the prelim uh, and we were gutted as players to lose that game. Yeah. I'm not sure how it eventuated. I think they just ran over us in the last quarter. We were flying and that was at uh, Leaderville Oval. Mm. Uh, great day of football. Sun was shining. Um, you couldn't have a better day. And, um, yeah, I think we just... We just lost our heads. Yeah. Maybe more than likely the, the Swan District's complacency just comes into play. Hey, we're up by so many points. Yeah. Um, I don't want to, you know, there's so many games where <laughs> as we're, we're flying and we're having a great time yeah. and everyone's like, yeah, it's just going to happen. And 
uh, you know, we we don't keep on putting the foot to the throat yeah. and blowing out the margin in our favour where we just let other teams come in and that would have been a, a very true uh, recollection of that day. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's where that's where Beanhead came out and that's where my nickname sort yeah. of happened. Yeah. Because that night again, I can after remember the after the game. After the game. <laughs> after the game. <laughs> where a lot of these things generally yeah, happen. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, after the game, uh, I'm pretty sure we had more than just myself and Jimmy Embley sitting on the floor in my shower recess giving everyone buzz cuts <laughs> with uh, the barber with with the clippers. We all came out that night everyone had a crew cut <laughs> and me being such a, a tall lanky streak of a person my head just looked like the bean <laughs> and that's where the bean has eventuated from uh, oh. and that's where uh, I suppose in 2010 onwards where uh, I ran the the number zero or the number one yeah. uh, throughout the whole season yeah it was a bit of an intimidating look to be honest Oh, okay, I didn't really sort of look no, at it, well, it that way. I but, reckon, um, you know, I know play, you're the key defender playing on the big forwards and you're, trying, you're reversing it. Oh, I reckon you're reversing I it a little bit. Not This is no offence to these types of uh, patients, but I look like a bloody cancer patient. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that was intimidating. Maybe. I had nothing I to just, lose. I reckon there was a bit of an intimidating look about it. Didn't know what you were going to do. <laughs> I reckon that's what we're going with. Hey, look, uh, I think some of the full forwards that I played on also agreed that Haircut or not, they had no idea what I was about to do. <laughs> um, so 2010, that was obviously a massive year. And I, I reckon what happened in 2009 was probably a big driver for wanting to have some success in 2010. Um, guys weren't short on hunger in terms of going into that year, I'm guessing. Um you finished the year in second position after a little bit of a slow start. And Claremont might have been the only team, I don't know what your recollection is, that might have been slightly ahead of you guys in terms of the regular season and heading into the finals. Is that how you sort of remember it? Yeah, we started terribly in 2010. Yeah. Um, and, and I can remember, again, this more so leads to the off-field nature of uh, the footy club at that time. Uh, and you know, and, and that, that that off-field nature definitely happened. Uh, like after two thousand and nine, we lost. We, like, we, we knew we should have won in two thousand and nine. Yeah. Uh, well, if no one else thought that, I I yeah. knew that we should have been at least in the big dance. Yeah. Um, and winning that that uh, that year that because year. I think we were the only side to knock off Subiaco that year. Um, and in two thousand and ten, yeah, it was. Uh, obviously, we'd played some good football the previous year and we, we went into an off-season where the guys hung around each other. Like, there was there was a lot of stuff that we did outside of the football club yeah. to really continue the great stuff that we were doing on the footy field. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, great teams, you know, do things on the field and they do things even better off the field to ensure that when you get back on the field, you've got the understanding about who's standing next year mm. uh, and you get a little bit more of understanding about who they are so you go into battle with each other knowing that, you know, you're going to do something a little bit more for that person who also thinks the same of you as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So we started terribly in 2010 and then we won a game and there was a, a phrase that went around that you we had to celebrate every win because we didn't know when our next win was going yeah, to be. Yeah, right. So that was a bit of a, a sort of a moment, I yeah. suppose. Do you, do you remember that game? I can't remember what game it was, nah, but, but, it I, been, yeah. but I do remember that, that we won the next like eight or ten games in a row, a and, we were, and we were on the <laughs> we were on on the on the cans <laughs> ten weeks straight. 
And we were like, oh, I'm not sure if this is going to like hold us in good stead when it comes to like finals football. Yeah. But we said, nah, like we've, it's working for us. So uh, a couple of the, um, uh, I suppose, social establishments around town. We were all, we were also sponsored by yeah, the Aberdeen this, Hotel. This will come, this will come up, don't okay. you worry. <laughs> so, uh, that's right. They won the corporate classic or they won the uh, the, the corporate uh, sponsorship package yeah. that deal. And we were, we were pumped. We were like, yes, the Aberdeen, we're going to go there every weekend. And we actually did end up going well, there every Celebrate weekend. the wins. The timing was perfect. <laughs> We had bar cards floating around. We had a little spot for ourselves. <laughs> it was just like, oh. And I'm quite I'm quite controlled having a couple of beers. I know how to be rowdy. I know how to sort of pull it in. But there were some players in 2010 that lifted the lid <laughs> every weekend. And it was <laughs> – there was going to be a car crash that happened somewhere and it just didn't crash. Yeah, right. It was great. Just it all worked out. It all worked out. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think – yeah, obviously you had a good good season overall. Claremont were probably the one. Um, so how what was the feeling heading into finals? Firstly, if you remember, but then also, do you remember much about how what the feeling was like in the group after you got belted by Claremont in that first final? I was following you guys pretty heavily, even from a few years before two thousand and eight, etc. But then two thousand and ten, you got you guys copped an absolute I think the game was over at half time I the fe- some feedback I've gotten is that the group stayed fairly positive and Dawes kept it positive and the group moved on pretty quickly did is that how you sort of remember it and did the confidence or belief take a hit at all after that game I think what we and, and again my memory might certainly yeah. correctly here yeah. um we played each other four times that year so we played our uh two home and away yep and it was one apiece. Yep. And I think we were the only side to beat Claremont in the first like sort of round of playing. Yeah, they didn't lo- they didn't lose many. Yeah. For the year, yeah. Yep. And then we got whacked the second time we played them, uh, and then we met in the first final, first whatever final. it was called, semi or qualifying, whatever, and we, got whacked again. We got whacked. Yeah. We got whacked by. Of ten goals plus. Yeah, yeah, it was. Yep. Yeah, and it was big margin at half time. Yep. It was already a big margin by half time. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Um, a hell of a lot of stuff went on in, in, in that game. Um, we had Chad Jones, who I was playing on, rupture a hamstring. Mm-hmm. Um, Handy for you guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was. Not, yeah. You don't want to. No, you don't want to see it. But you don't want to wish that on on any player. Of course not. But, no, um, but you know, he was by far the the most uh, dangerous full forward um, out of anyone that year. Was um, he? It was Brad, what about Brad oh, Smith? Oh, Brad or? Smith was also there as well. Uh, but, yeah, obviously us leading into finals. Yeah. Like he was – He was. He might have won the um, goal kicking, the Bernie Naylor too that year, I oh, think. Look, and there would be no shadow of a doubt that the game may not have been as close as it was on grand final day if he was playing football. Yeah, well. yeah. Um, we had a big incident on the wing where – Luke Pratt and Clancy Ruderforth went head-to-head and yeah. uh, Pratty got rubbed out, which was yeah. bloody awful. Uh, and it was just all this stuff was happening <laughs> and we're still getting whacked and it was, um, yeah, not the very best. But your comment regarding uh, keeping our cool and, and, and being positive, uh, that definitely stood correct in my mind. I'm, yeah. I'm just generally a very positive person. Okay, yeah, yeah. okay, so here you go. We've had this situation what do we learn from it? 
what don't we do the next time? And then obviously put our best foot forward the next time we meet them. Yep. And because we knew that we had them on some sort of level, we knew that whenever we'd play them again, it would go head to head. So it wasn't like, oh, let's pack her up, boys, and, and we're done because we got whacked by so much. It was like, no, no, we had we could identify the reasons why we got mm. whacked. So let's tighten those up. And next time we see them, um, if we did get to see them again, um, which uh, there was only one more game in between, which was here at Bazo, which yep. was bloody unreal. Yep. Um, yep. You know, we had the confidence to say and, and, and to think that we would see them again and we'd whack them again. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, that, and that, that then would also even the ledger out two games apiece the, over yeah, that season. And just get the most important one. That's um, right. So, yeah, the next week was obviously the prelim. You just mentioned it. Um, I'll get you to talk us through it, but I, I remember um, Still Blue was absolutely heaving that day um, and the feeling in the crowd was unbelievable. There's never been anything close since. Um, obviously, if you go back further pre-AFL days it was probably even bigger than that but like we're talking modern day where there's AFL footy that I don't know if there's been a bigger day here um what did it feel like as a player I experienced it in the crowd and anyone who was there remembers it but what did it feel like as a player um it, it must have been unreal yeah it was uh and obviously it was the finals campaign so it got it got pumped up a little bit more than yeah. just you know your standard um home and away game obviously uh and as soon as the final siren went against Claremont, we knew that we were back at Bazo and we knew that we were going to make the grand final because there was no way in hell that our team and the calibre and the quality going back to Bazo against East Perth, we would lose that game. Yeah. Soon as that final siren went, we knew that we were going to be the big dance and we're going to play against Claremont again. Confident. And well, that's just that's just the plays that we had. Yeah. And what a better opportunity to get into the grand final than in front of the absolutely ballistic and passionate uh, Swan supporters. Mm. Uh, and East Perth were travelling not half bad as well. So they were obviously just well, around the corner. I was, I was going to say, you said that you knew you were going to be in the big dance. Did that did that change? Because they jumped you guys early. They were and, up by about three goals at quarter time. Did maybe, that change at all? <laughs> and maybe we were like, oh, maybe we should, maybe, maybe we should just you know, jump off our high horse and actually play some footy here. Um, no, not like you know, we knew that we were going to you know roll over them as well. Yeah. And, um, you know, you would, you might speak to some other uh, play, players that are going to be on this podcast. You know, we had some fantastic displays of, you know. Oh, um, there's one there's one person I'll be getting on that reminds us of that day um, and his individual performance <laughs> and you know exactly what I'm talking about. And just shakes his hand around like this and <laughs> count how many fingers I've got in my hand. And, and, you know, and it was just one of those days where it was, it was fantastic. Um, you know, before all the all the parking restrictions around um, Bassettine Oval, yeah. there was cars parked down Everywhere. all the way down West Road, uh, all the way down Old Perth Road. Um, oh. You know, where, as I said, we live in Parker Street where there was a lot cars lined up. This is like, this is, you know, early 2000s, you know, late 1990s footy crowd of, yeah. you know, coming to Bazo. Yeah. Um, Red Rooster ran out of like chicken rolls like, that day as well. It was just, it was just pumping. And, yeah. Um, there was a uh, – there's obviously a couple of really cool photos of the can bar that was just chock-a-block. Um, every time a goal was kicked and there was instructions being barked out on the ground, you couldn't hear it because the crowd was just up and about. It was a great day for the club. It was a great day for the season. Uh, and for those players that were a part of it, um, it's a scenario that um, obviously you'll never forget playing here at Bassettine Oval um, with that amount of uh, support um, on an opportunity to, uh, you know, further – uh, enhance the season by yep. you know getting to a, a grand final. Yeah, yeah. Um, and we'll going into that um, 
that grand final. Um, I don't know. You might not remember this, given how how things have gone. But what do you remember? What the build up was like in that week, and then and just before you touch on that, um, when I had Josh Roberts on the podcast, he mentioned that uh, I don't know if he mentioned it on on air. We'll go with on air or, or off air. But he mentioned that. A lot of guys were talking about the like during the week, maybe in the showers after training, about being premiers. And he was he 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 liked the fact that early on in that year in two thousand and ten, there was a lot of talk about winning the flag and being open about that instead of trying to sort of not say too much. But he was a bit concerned, maybe when there were blokes talking about being premiers during the week. <laughs> Do you know if there was a bit of that going on? It sounds like it was a pretty confident group. <laughs> it, was, it was It was. a super confident group. Um, and I, you've got to do a video podcast as well because what I'm yeah, about to do... We, we've, we've sort of tried to set that up. And what, because what I'm, I'm about to do, um, you can only hear what I'm doing, you can't actually see what I'm doing. Yeah. And there was a bit of a gesture where uh, this sort of started with the Drummond Street boys, uh, Swooper, Tim Gapen, uh, Wade Toomey and, and Brett Robinson. Yeah. But we started to get that run of wins throughout the middle of the season Yeah. where it's like um, you can see, for, for those that are listening. I'm almost tempted to take a video of this. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, all right. Let's let do me it. Get this set so, up. Let me get this set up. So for those that are, are listening uh, via the podcast, I'm – what I'm doing is like I'm holding onto two of both handles of the Premiership Cup and you lift it up and you go, oh, hang on, and you put it back down. <laughs> up there yet, and you go, oh, and you put it back down again. And then in the showers, we'd be like, yeah, we'd lift the cup above our head. This is pre-grand final. This is like during the season. <laughs> and uh, the person that done that the best was uh, was Tim Gapen, and he'd be in the showers, and he'd be holding onto this imaginary cup, and he'd be putting it slightly above his eye level and pulling it back down, not to get too confident. And oh, and then everyone in the showers would be like, oh, bring it up, and it was like a big crescendo at the end. And but yeah, there was a, a lot of confidence, and you know, I suppose you know throughout history, not only just you know in state-based waffle football, but in all great teams um, around the world that are successful, you've got to have that level of confidence about your ability. Yep. Um, and if you do, that builds and escalates. And obviously you don't want to get to the point of being arrogant or cocky, but you know, if you've got the runs on the board, then celebrate it. Um, obviously, Josh's position as the captain, it was more likely his responsibility to put a lid on things. Yeah. Um, and I dare say... Not that, have been easy with the group. No, absolutely. Yeah. There was there was one there was one I think comment or, or phrase that that Jairo would would work with, knowing that he couldn't control this group of <laughs> confident all abilities players was that he just let the boys be boys. Yeah, let the boys be boys, and if they do run into a dead end, well then we'll pick them up then. But if they're on the highway and everything's working well and we're winning games, let the boys be boys. Yeah. Let them just do what they want to do because. If you put any sort of negativity around that, mm. well, then the natural ability of players, whether it's on or off field, starts to get thought about. And that's when stuff doesn't work right. Or the fluidity of that player or the confidence of that play starts to get questioned or checked. Yep. So, um, like, yeah, J-Ro leading into the, the grand final week would have been like, hey, boys, let's just sort of chill it out. Let's not, you know, get too far ahead of ourselves. And there's... Davo and Swoop with the Premiership Cup raising above their head <laughs> as it is it was like imaginary, like yeah, we're gonna do this. And uh, it was it was a, 
a bit of a gag. Um, before, I suppose, in recent years, the Swan District shower has got five shower heads and it's a big open yeah, shower yeah. back in the day. Yeah, oh, I've got some trauma from that when <laughs> I was a cult, but anyway, we won't go into that. We, won't, <laughs> we won't go too far there. But, um, you know, the, the, the shower room was by far the best time of the week. Yeah. After yeah. the game where we had the win against East Perth, we've all done our ice baths and obviously it's winter time. You've got five full steam showers going. You're walking in through like a steam room. You've got players dancing around, doing this, you know, whacking each other, this sort of stuff. And it was just really enjoyable. Yep. Um, enjoyable in, 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 in the sense of team camaraderie. Absolutely. Not, yeah, not, yeah, not, yeah. No, 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 no. Just know what, to clear it up. You, you know what we mean, listeners. Um, <laughs> so we had all walks of life come down. We had supporters coming down to, you know, watch us train. Training was very, very la di da because obviously we've just come after a full season of um, of playing, you know, a pretty solid game against East Perth. So training wasn't strenuous. A lot of people though. Shed loads. Like, yeah. yeah, it was it was great. And um, you know, the 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 hype of the grand final week sort of started to sort of build momentum. Yeah. Um, obviously, because it was the week leading into it. Um, and it was great to be a part of. Um, you know, there were times where we did have to sort of check our flamboyancy and, and our confidence just to say, hey, look, you know, I've still got to go through all the processes, not to get too gassed as well, like overcommit and overexhaust yourself. Play the game like, early. You know, yeah, mentally and yeah. stuff, yeah. Um, we also had uh, the scent of a medal that Monday night as well. Yeah. So uh, a few of the senior guys sort of had to rock and roll and, and attend that. Um, and I think we were on our best behaviour then, to be blatantly honest. Yeah, I was going to um, say, it might have been tough to keep a lid on it, but if there was any time they were going to on a Monday night, yeah. it might, <laughs> might have been then. You know, and I, I think those that attended, um, you know, attended on the house and you've got all this yeah. stuff happening, you're like, oh, oh yeah. I wouldn't mind sucking a few of those. Yeah, but, um, absolutely. I think that night, no, no, I remember I was on my best behaviour. I think I'd drunk about six cans of Coke <laughs> and I was, I was buzzing. Really tough to get to sleep that yeah, night. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, the, the whole hype was great. Yep. Um, you know, we had a team dinner up here on Thursday night, which was awesome. Everyone came to some, you know, obviously wish us luck. We had a bit of a members night happening. Um, the weather was really nice as well. The weather was beautiful yeah, that right. week. Yep. Uh, it was really nice. So the track was lightning fast. The balls were zipping around. Everyone's having a great time. You know, you got Cracky signing autographs. You got J-Ro signing autographs. You got... Ryan Davis still in his AFL days signing autographs <laughs> and, and signing his West Coast jumpers and signing his West Coast cards and it was just it was just nice to be part of yeah um, but I suppose you know you sort of deserve to be there because of the great stuff that you've done throughout the yeah, year yeah absolutely uh, you've just got to obviously understand that it doesn't all just happen you've got to get to the big dance and um and you've got to put your best foot forward and get the job done and play another game of footy yeah so the game itself I mean we could talk about that alone for hours um. It was such a seesawing game and momentum changes, lead changes. It's still one of the best games of footy I've ever seen and I reckon a lot of people would agree. Um, you obviously, you don't have to go into too much detail, but you might not be able to. But what are your memories um, of the game? Like a summary, I suppose, of your memories of the game. Are there any maybe one or two moments in particular that really stand out? There is something I want to talk to you about later from that game in the last quarter we'll park that for now in terms of someone being concussed um but yeah any any major memories from the game was it all a bit of a blur um i actually remember you telling me a while back now i reckon when you were still playing and i started playing league footy i can't remember how the conversation came about but 
you were telling me how hard the game was in terms of the intensity. I yeah. remember. But yeah, anyway, sorry. Yeah, you, you it was yeah. it was a hot day. Yeah. I think it was like 26, 27 degrees. Yeah. It was a really hot day. The deck at Subiaco Oval was slick. Yeah. Like it, it was just a perfect day for footy other than it being a little bit too hot. Uh, so I remember the night before and that morning just urinating flat out. <laughs> But just preparing myself <laughs> and my hydration strategy was just like over the top. Not much sleep? Uh, no, I, I slept pretty well. Yeah. Uh, I slept pretty well. Um, I'm just generally a, a really good sleeper. Um, so I remember, I remember flat out getting to the ground, having to walk around and that sort of stuff to try to get into the right gate because it's all ticketed that day. And I remember running into the change rooms. I think we were using the Frio, the, 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 the then Frio yeah. Dockers change rooms. Yeah throw my bag into the corner, busting to go to the toilet and just going, oh, wow, I can't. <laughs> All I was thinking about driving to the game was my bladder is about to explode. Probably a good thing. Can't yeah. take your mind off it. Oh, yeah. absolutely. You know, um, in, in hindsight, and I ran, I kicked the door in. I was like, oh. And, uh, yeah, then I was obviously a little bit more settled yeah. um, and playing the game. Uh, yeah, the game was red hot. Uh, red hot uh, both in temperature and obviously in the heat of the game. And uh, I was, I had the ball, I took the mark and I, uh, I had the ball in my hands uh, for the halftime siren. Uh, for those of you that don't know, there's a photo of me at the bottom of the uh, stairs at Swan Districts Football Club. <laughs> is, that, is that that photo? That's that moment. But that, that's just a cutout of just you. Just me. That's right, isn't it? So people wouldn't be able to tell when it was or no, yeah, what so, game. Yeah. It's just you holding the football. So that's just me holding the football yeah, at yeah. halftime of the grand final. Yeah. And I'll, I remember this clear as day. I was like, man, there is no way in hell that I could play another half of football <laughs> at this intensity. I'm absolutely gassed. Yeah. And it was. Like, it was a real heavy-duty game. Yeah. Um, but then Brian Dawson obviously said, gird your loins, boys. Um, <laughs> one of his famous catch cries, yeah. gird your loins. And um, obviously the whole cliche, there's, there's no tomorrow – um, we've got these guys. We've had these guys before. We owe them. We owe them. <laughs> we owe them because we have to even the ledger up. <laughs> yeah. You've got uh, a great opportunity with Clancy Rudaforth not being in the game, Chad Jones not being in the game. Yeah. You've got to do it for guys like Tony Knott, for guys like um, Lukey Pratt. Yeah. Um, you know, all this sort of, you know, cliched information came up. Um, and we just went out there and we just – we just played footy. Yeah. Did that, the intensity drop off in the second half? It actually didn't. No. Like, <laughs> it, like it even ramped up. And back in the day, and and, well, and obviously still, obviously still does. The clock winds up. Yeah. You know. So we don't know what's going down um, or how much time is left. Um, and the last quarter, especially, oh. it went backwards and forwards, backwards and forwards, backwards and forwards. Um, I'm not sure if you're talking about when uh, Graham Jetter went head to head with um, yeah. Jared Dignette. Yeah. Got knocked out. Obviously, we all went into our separate sort of huddles, and yeah. um, that obviously the clock keeps on going up. Yeah, so it, it makes you not realise how long the quarter is going to go long. for. And obviously, we go from twenty minutes to twenty-five. We're thinking, okay, well, there's still, well, actually, no, there's there's still five minutes left. You yeah. know, so normally you'd play thirty minutes of football. Yeah, clock goes up. It's going past thirty minutes. Goals are being kicked backwards and forwards. Yeah, there's one kicked, I reckon, around thirty-three minutes. Potentially by them, Crawford taking a mark in the goal square. You may or may not remember that. Yeah, I definitely remember this. Yeah. And if Matt Spencer, if you're listening to this, okay, <laughs> we'll make sure this gets to him. Make sure Matt Spencer <laughs> listens to this. I switched 
from David Crawford and I handed David Crawford uh, over to Matt Spencer. Straight under the bus. Right? Yeah, right. <laughs> so I actually wasn't on I was, I was on Dave Crawford the whole game. At that point in time, I switched and handed David Crawford over to Matt Spencer. And Matt Spencer didn't man up David Crawford, therefore allowing him an easy run at the ball and kicking the goal. Yeah. And I reckon – sh- so now you've got the laptop in front of you. I can't see the screen, but I reckon you've got in capitals, I handed over David <laughs> Corbett to Matt Spencer maybe. Maybe that's it. No. Um, that, is, uh, that is an ongoing debate between myself, Matt Spencer, and Brian Dawson. Yeah, uh, right. Oh, right. Dawson is invo- still involved yeah, in that debate. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and um, I'm not sure if I've cleanly got away with what I actually did on the ground. Yeah. Um, Matt most probably thinks otherwise. Uh, but, yeah, like, we thought, like, shit, there's no more time left. You thought – so after that goal, you thought, buggered. Claremont boys are going around. They're going absolutely yeah. berserk. They've won it. There's, like, 33 minutes on the clock. How much time is left? Um, but, obviously, you've still got to play football. We don't know how much time is left. And um, we know that we're not going to lose by five points. We know that if we get a goal, like, we're, we're back in the box eight. Yeah. Um, and obviously the rest is history. Yeah. Well, there was still a fair bit of time left because you guys not only kicked a goal, but then you were chipping the ball around a little bit too. And that would have brought some nervous moments when someone slipped oh, over yeah, in particular. Right. So <laughs> yeah. oh, I've, I've, we've spoken about this so Riggs, many times. Oh, Riggs, Riggs. Riggs slips. Davo kicked the ball to Riggs. Or was it Clancy Pierce? I thought Clancy oh, Pierce might have been involved. <laughs> anyway, oh, there was some I'm, involvement. I'm, I'm so bad. <laughs> slip over. Someone slipped over. Yeah, and then, yeah. But then Big Red came to the rescue, had an amazing tackle on the wing. Yeah. The ball gets taken out of bounds. We reset. The ball gets forward. Um, yeah, uh, an amazing That's goal. It, yeah. And uh, and the whole the whole of the black and white uh, fraternity at um, at Subiaco Oval go go absolutely bonkers. Yeah. And, it wasn't too long after that where um, the siren went. Yeah, unbelievable moment in terms of the history of the club and day and even um, coming back here upstairs where we are right now in the function room after the game, couldn't move in here and it would have been an incredible night. Um, how long, just I want to answer this as short as you like, how long did the celebrations last? How long did your celebrations last? So <laughs> I was living... And still yeah. do, live around the corner. Also convenient. Very, very convenient. <laughs> um, so we had come up here after the game, had a few beers within the change rooms, obviously. Uh, couldn't have too many because obviously we still had to drive back here. So um, we were wearing our game day kit yep. with our premiership jumper over our... As you do. As yeah. you do, you know. All right. So mine's full of grip It's covered in blood, sweat and tears and that sort of stuff. And I've gone, okay... I know it's going to be a big night. I'm going to zip home, get into my kit, secure my premiership jumper away, my medallion, so I don't bloody lose it out on the gas, and I'm going to be back. I think I left the club here about 10 o'clock. Walked home, uh, and I sat on the bed going, whew, that was a big day. And I had a bottle of Carlton Draft to sit in my hand. And I sat down, ready to take my shoes off, and I woke up at 6 in the morning. Bullshit. So really? I actually didn't get out on the source yeah, wow. on that night. Wow. Which in hindsight was unbelievable. <laughs> so I've come from Subiaco Oval. I've had a, 
a skinful here at the football club. You couldn't move. There's a really, really awesome photo that's down in the administration area yeah. of us all on the um, on the stage. stage and yeah. I'm holding on to the cup, which is um, which is awesome. I, I still haven't got that digitised yet, but I've, that's something that I've got to sort of put yeah, somewhere. It's, 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 it's actually a really, mm. really nice photo. Mm. And you can't move it. You can't move in, um, in, uh, in the upstairs uh, room up here. So I've gone home 10 o'clock, passed out just of pure exhaustion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe had a couple of beers under yeah, that as well, but course. pure exhaustion. Yeah. And I've woken up fresh as a daisy. <laughs> My phone is full of everything known to man. Numbers, random numbers, players, coaches, where are you? What's going down? I've gone, oh no, I've missed <laughs> out on the biggest like, premiership night of my life. Yeah. But I was the first at Mad Monday and one of the last to leave. Obviously we went from place to place, function room to function room, um, pub to pub, but it ended on I'm pretty sure it was Wednesday night. <laughs> We'd had a couple of beers at the Inglewood Hotel. Yeah. And a few of us were still wearing our jumpers and our premiership medallion. <laughs> and there was some random punter at the Inglewood Hotel and it's about to be closed for last drinks. And I think it was myself, Lane Spanderman, I think Swoop, J-Ro. There was only sort of a handful of us sort of floating around. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and this is obviously three days into it. Mm. And uh, this guy goes, oh, yeah, like, come back to my place. I just live down the road. I've got wine and I've got beers. And we're like, bloody oath. <laughs> Let's go. Let's go and check this guy's place out, right? <laughs> so we walk down one of the side streets in Inglewood and uh, Lane rolls in, you know, big ruckman. What's going down here? You know? <laughs> I'm Lane. Rrr, rrr. Shout out to the ruckman. Big dog sit up front. Rrr, rrr, rrr. <laughs> and, and that was really cool. Like, we... We bloody loved Panda, and Panda was an absolute menace both on and off the field, but we absolutely <laughs> loved him, and he did his bloody job, and he did it really, oh, really yeah, well. Yeah. And I remember saying, all right, I'm done here, boys. I'm pretty sure this happened, or maybe I was just in a bit of an illusion, <laughs> where Lane Spanderman is an aquarium in this guy's house, right? And this guy was pulling our leg. There was no beers or no wine or anything like that. I just wanted most, a few mates to come back anyway. And Lane Spanderman got his hand into the aquarium and ate a goldfish. No, he didn't. And I think he chewed it. He didn't just like swallow no, it. No, he didn't. He grabbed the little goldfish, <laughs> no. right? And he swallowed it. And I was like, oh, did that just happen? <laughs> like, I've got to go home. And that is a very distinct feeling of, I'm pretty sure that happened, um, <laughs> where Lane ate a goldfish out of this guy, this random guy's <laughs> aquarium. And he said, all right, boys, let's get out of here. And we, and oh, we either way, it was a sign that probably had to just close yeah, up yeah. on the cycle. <laughs> Nah, very, very good. Um, so, obviously, post the premiership, I mean, you, you can look at like 2011, which was the year after, right up until when you finished up in 2017. Um, one thing I wanted to touch on, it seems like there was a bit of a hangover in 2011 on field in terms of how the club went, but you still had some success on field, played in a prelim in 2012 and finals in 13 and 14, but there were some difficulties off field at the time with the club. Um, how was that time sort of as, as a leader of the club and with yourself becoming co-captain, I believe, in 2012 as well? How was that time and navigating through that? I know there was still some on-field success, but some difficulty off field after coming off such a high um, in terms of winning the flag. Yeah, absolutely. Um I was lucky enough to uh, be the, the Swan medalist in 2011 solely because 
the ball was in the defensive 50 90 90 percent of the time probably a reflection on some (laughs) of the work that actually one thing i did want to mention is you were very good on that grand final day i've watched a lot of um replays of that game and you took some crucial marks and had some big moments but yeah anyway i think the swan medal is reflective of the work you you do and did but um i've i've never been i've never been uh one for high statistics uh like or disposals, yeah. but that year I think my disposals were up through the roof solely mm-hmm. because I was in and amongst the play more yeah. often than not. Yeah. Um, just touching on what you said regarding the grand final, if, yeah, yeah. Like, if Andy Cracker wasn't there, I would have been the Simpson medal, hundred <laughs> percent. Well, or would Steve Cornelio <laughs> beg to differ? <laughs> I don't know. I've always said that you um, were very good, uh, though. Thanks, mate. You were very um, good. Geez, geez, it was, yeah, that was that was a tough game. Um, yeah. But yeah, yeah, we. we um, we had uh, a bit of a rough trot in 2011, as you said. Um, maybe you know the Premiership hangover was definitely there. Uh, we had some players that were, um, you know, still living the dream, mm-hmm. uh, which was great. Um, uh, there was a couple of times where <laughs> I was given the responsibility of the sort of pull players' heads in from a board perspective. And, yeah, um, right. You know, didn't sort of land too fondly on those players' ears, but that's part of what you do as a as a leader. And yep. you really have to start to know your players inside and out to get mm. the best of them. Mm. Um, and I suppose that's what coaching and, and leadership is all about. Yep. The more that you get to know about the players from a personal perspective and build that relationship, the better opportunity you've got to be able to work with them or the better trust you've got or, uh, you know, when you've got to make the, the hard calls or have the hard conversations, it's a little bit more uh, easy to work with based yep. on what you know about that person. Yeah. Uh, like, yeah, after uh, 2012 and and um, and 13, uh, yeah, we were obviously had a, a change in, uh, in coach as well. Uh, Greg Harding came yep. uh, on board. Um, Jeez, I've got, I've got, I've got a hell of a lot of time, a lot of respect, and uh, you know, I see Greg as one of, uh, you know, a, a close friend solely because we were working in such close uh, quarters uh, as as captain and coach. Yeah. Uh, and and yeah, it was a scenario where we had some really good uh, passages of 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 purple patches, and and there were some you know games that we were just way off the mark. Mm. Um, we had a lot of you know ins and outs in regards to that as well. We had a lot of um, drafted players, which sort of you know clipped us when it comes to um, you know players that uh, were there in one year but then weren't there the Go other on the year. Next, yeah. Um, we then had the scenario of the West Coast and Frio alignments happening as well, yeah. which uh, you know was a bit of a kick in the ass for for those. Uh, clubs that don't have that AFL experience, uh, you know, on their list. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, back in the day, I thought it was really, really great that um, the AFL players got uh, drafted out to yeah. the Waffle So teams. that was the non-West um, Australian – because if you were from a – if you were drafted from a Waffle Club, you'd stay at that Waffle Club, wouldn't you? But it was the interstate recruits that would get distributed amongst the, the Waffle teams. Yeah, you know, and, um, you know, just to, you know, name – one play we had, um, you know, Lockie Neal play with us, yeah. you know, and he was great. And yeah. obviously, he came from um, uh, from the east coast and and was with uh, was with Frio. So um, you know, we had him for a large chunk of time. Couple premiership players, yeah, that yeah. Were Clayton oh, Hinckley, Clayton Hinckley, yeah. um, Clancy Pierce. Yep. Uh, you know, so it was it was super to be able to have that caliber of 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 player with us. But then that gets taken away from you, mm. and they get bumped into one team. Um, the alignment was a bit of a kick in the ass for everyone. Yeah, um, and 
you know, obviously it has its pros and cons from whatever side that you're looking at, but uh, it was a bit, it didn't really sort of work with the, the waffle clubs, yeah. especially coming out of that um, drafted situation. Yeah, mm. yeah. Um, and yeah, obviously I touched on the fact that you captained the club there as well, which started in 2012 and you did that in a sole role or co-captaincy role for, I believe, six years up until you retired. Um, what was it like to captain the club? Was it something you wanted to do or expected at the time? Um obviously a big honor yeah touch on touch on that for us yeah hey um uh, the initially the captain's role was appointed by the board Mm -hmm. so uh and then obviously it was hey would you like the role or would you like to sort of decline it for whatever reason um and josh roberts and myself we 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 co-captained the club um in 2012 and and Jairo sort of departed from there on in for um, for work purposes. He was killing the pig. Um, <laughs> yeah, he retired in, at like twenty eight. Yeah, like you know, I don't think he actually works at the moment. I think he's more <laughs> of a delegator than actually works. But um, obviously, Jairo's uh, very successful in, in real estate, and yeah. um, there's a point in time in anyone's life when you've got career or or, or kicking the pigskin around that you got to make that decision. So um, yeah, it was it was really really nice to be able to um, co-captain with Josh. Mm. Um, obviously, with with Jairo's uh, you know previous years credentials and and how how hard of a player um, Jairo uh, was and and hard he still is. Yeah, uh, it was a nice little sort of softened introduction into the captaincy role. Um, being a, a leader at uh, at our great club was a fantastic honour, uh, and still is. You know, you get to walk around the bar up here, and you know you can point to your your bean head up there. And <laughs> I think on one quite uh, saucy night, I did pull down my my captain's photo and, and said, <laughs> "You don't cut this bloke off from the bar." <laughs> and then and then George, in his accent, told me to literally in the most polite way, you know, mate, I think you've yeah, had too many beers yeah, to have yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. And away you good go. Good old George, you good Slavies. Yeah. Oh, mate, yeah. uh, I've got a lot of time for George. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, you know, yeah uh, obviously you've got uh, to lead the club both on and off the field. Mm-hmm. Um, coming from other leadership roles in my employment, it was uh, not a seamless transition, but it was an opportunity to get to know players just a little bit more intimately. Yep. Uh, you know, pulling players aside, just having a chat with them, uh, you know, what do you do for work? How are you feeling today? Um, you got a missus, you got a boyfriend, you know, obviously what's going down in yeah. in, in your world and, yeah. and, and, and how can I get to know you more to get the most out of you? Yeah. Um, and I think if you if you build those relationships with players, you've got a better understanding about how each other ticks and um, you know, you get to know, like and trust uh, you know, other teammates just that little bit more to to get the most out of them. Yeah. Um, and uh, and yeah, I was lucky enough to be able to uh, hold the position uh, even when it came to the peer-voted uh, captaincy yeah, roles, which it now is, yeah. which, which uh, I saw, I think, sort of started maybe in 2015, 16, mm-hmm. where we just wanted to be that little bit more independent as a player group. Uh, and during that year, as all those years as well, we we, we sort of really didn't, uh, from I suppose a coaching group and maybe from a board perspective very clear, distinct upcoming leaders. They were developing. Yeah. They were definitely developing. They, they were there. Uh, but there was quite a distinct games played age-wise between myself, a couple of the other senior boys that didn't want to take the leadership role and the emerging leaders yeah. that were coming through. Yeah. So 
maybe it was just through default that I captained the club for the, the amount of time that I did. Um, uh, and it was great to be able to do that. Mm. And, and knowing that there were an emerging bunch of leaders coming through was an opportunity for me to speak to them, to not groom them, but to say, hey, look, you know, you might be in my position in the next X number of years' time. Yeah. Uh, is this something that you'd like to do? Yeah. Um, if so, well, then how do you go about it? your activity and your engagement and what you do at this football club? Yeah, yeah. I, I don't. I definitely don't think you fell into it. I got to experience a bit of uh, senior footy with you as a captain, and I, I would say you did, definitely didn't fall into it because there, there were good reasons why you were the captain in terms of the influence you you sort of had. Um, so yeah, a bit of a difficult time, but still we're playing finals from sort of 2012 to 2014. After that though, um, I think the club just missed finals in 2015. It might have even come down to the last game and sort of the last kick, I remember. Um, 2016 was a terrible year on field. <laughs> the club finished last, only played two games. I got to play senior footy, probably because we were going so bad, which was nice. I remember you actually looking after me in one of my... Um, early games, I had to line up on Jake Waterman and I was just running out to my position as you do, pretty nervous, not thinking much of myself and he was and you just got him and whacked him early <laughs> and absolutely let him know. And yeah, I did. I, I think you got the chief, Bo Mace, came straight back at you. So you, you probably copped it as a result, not me, but I think you might have helped me out a little bit early, which I appreciated. But yeah, um, it was, a, it was a tough year. Um, you did manage to have one last hurrah in 2017 in regards to playing finals. I know you, you guys didn't end up sort of making the grand final or anything like that, but you, you got to win a final here at Bassendine one last time um, before finishing up. That would have been a nice way to sort of finish after the couple of years beforehand. Yeah, uh, the elimination final we had here against West Perth was super. Yeah. Um, Freddie, Freddie Clutterbuck, Freddie. another one that I'll need to get on the podcast. Oh, That's, yeah. He, he won't let you. He won't let anyone forget that oh, one. Oh no, Freddie Clutterbuck was uh, yeah definitely in his element, and uh, obviously almost had a bag full of uh, of roles as well. Uh, <laughs> and that was awesome. You know, it was it was almost you know like the feeling of the 2010 prelim here. Um, big crowd, um, and yeah, we were sort of the underguns or the underdogs there, just yeah. um, giving it a crack and. That's what we did. We just gave it a crack. And yeah. our Swan District's football at its best will beat any other football on the park. Um, our worst is deplorable. Mm. Uh, Mind you, though, you have to go through tough times as yeah. well, don't you? It's not always going to be up and up and up. That's right. Um, and then we went out to uh, Frio Oval mm. and got whacked yeah. by South Frio. Yeah. Um, obviously, my my last game and was always going to be my last game, whether it was... Uh, the elimination final or the first semi-final, I'd, I'd made a decision sort of halfway through the season to, yeah. to, uh, to go to the end of the, um, the, the season and, and call it a day. Um, and uh, Stiffy started me in the ruck. He goes, we're going to wind the clock back, Amesy. Like, literally, we're going to start you in the middle and you're going to be the catalyst of, of getting this done. Yeah, and we ended up losing by 80 points. <laughs> Cheers, Amesy. <laughs> uh, I, I can remember at the end of that game uh, because – Stiff really wanted me. Uh, and there was a, a bit of a stroke of genius through Stiff back in the day where uh, for my 200th game here. Yeah, this uh, is, is going to come up. Yeah. Against, I go, I'll, I'll, yeah, yeah, I'll hold yeah, off on that. Yeah, yeah, you can ask me later yeah, on. Yeah. But he goes, we're going we're gonna to do what we did for your, for your 200th game. We're going to start you in the right. We're going to spit you forward. You're going to kick a goal. The crowd's going to go wild and we're going to win the game anyway. 
Um, I was at Ford and uh, the ball had had gone into a dispute and I don't know who it was, but someone handballed me the ball and I'm sitting on about a 45-degree angle, about 40 metres out from goal. And I think we were... The, the game was done here. Um, <laughs> I, can, I can remember... I picked the ball up and I was expecting all these South Frio boys to just come and tackle me and whack me to the ground. But they sort of made like a bit of a, a, a guard of honour <laughs> <laughs> and like a gauntlet, like a tunnel for me to go and kick the ball. And I was like, are you serious? I said, yeah, Ames, you've got to kick the goal. <laughs> and I shat myself <laughs> and I kicked the ball and I almost kicked it out of the pool. <laughs> oh, no. And it was my only opportunity to like kick and add yeah. to my goals yeah. tally yeah. where I had no pressure and I absolutely cooked it and I spoke at the beginning of the point in regards to my ability. Like, I still don't know how to kick a footy straight. <laughs> and so I dare say is the reason why Brian Dawson put me in the back line uh, and just told me to use my hands and my fist yeah. and whatever you can, handball it, Ainsy. <laughs> don't kick the footy. 53 goals still, though. Yeah. Half ton. <laughs> Half ton. You'll take that. I'll raise the bat. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, that 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 obviously was sort of the the end of your playing days. Did you do you feel like you'd offered everything you could by the end? You said you made the decision by um halfway through the year or or, so, or during that year. Um, you obviously felt like you were done. Thirty four, and you'd had you'd had a long career, and you were quite durable as well. So yeah, you, you thought you had nothing left to give. I was I was I was physically, and mentally gassed. Like, yeah. I was done. Um, and the reason why I I, I legitimately hung the boots up was that I could still play footy. Don't, like, don't get me wrong, this is not me blowing hot mm. on my ass. Mm. I could still play footy, but the amount of time it takes for the body at my age to be able to recover from a Saturday game and feel three quarters fresh on a Thursday yep. <laughs> and then have to go and front up again on a Saturday for a 50-50 chance of a win or loss yeah. was disrespectful to hang myself on that and not allow another player to come in my spot that could recover whether that could bounce back quicker that had better physical ability than what I did back when I was in my retiring age so yep. it was okay I can play footy no dramas but I'm going to be through six months of agony um, it could be a scenario where I don't get up for that following week because of general soreness uh, and why put someone else's spot in a 50-50 jeopardy when I can just say, hey, I've had me dash. I've had me dash. Uh, I've played some good football. I've actually come out, as I said at the beginning of the pod, quite unscathed when it comes to further injury. Yeah. Um, let's just call it whilst I'm on a half-decent note yeah. and not make a fool of myself in a final potential hang-around for another year of football. Yeah, yeah. And, and played 265 games nearly as well. Um, that that rem, saying that reminds me. I watched a in preparation for this pod. I, I just came across a video of John Townsend um, interviewing Tony Knott, and I think it was ahead of his two hundredth game. And they spoke about you playing your two fiftieth, and you mentioned that, or maybe they were talking about you playing your two fiftieth, and you mentioned at the time that no one else would play two fifty in waffle footy. And I think Rory O'Brien was due to the next week. <laughs> I just had to mention that. Just, that just goes to show how much at times I'm in my own little bubble. And Tony Knott's gone on to surpass 250 by a fair way as well. I'm so <laughs> I'm so livid that I'll put this on record. I'm so livid that Tony Knott has beat me in the games played. But if there was one player that I have the utmost unbelievable respect for, 
that totally deserves being in the position that he is mm. and just a testament to him being as durable as what he is. Like, Tony Knott's an absolute bloody legend. Oh. And, um, wow, when, when, when he went down with his knee, I'm like, oh, man, that might, might be the end of someone chasing the game's record at the footy club. Yeah. And then old mate just decides to play senior football last week. I know. Um, and it's back on again. The race yeah. is back on. Yeah. So, 100%. Um, it was, yeah, it was upsetting at the time. I was next to him when it happened. Yeah. 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 On the field and it was upsetting at the when, time. When yeah. I heard about it, I was like, you've got to be kidding. Mm. Tony Knott doesn't break down. Nah. Tony Knott doesn't break down. Nah. Tony, Tony, Tony Knott does get injured. Um, but and if it, and if he does, it's just like a couple of days and like they just rub a bit of like salt <laughs> on his wounds and it just like dramatically heals. Yeah. But in saying that, because he's Tony Knott, he's done what no one else would be able to do at his age coming off of that surgery and playing like footy last weekend because we're recording after the Claremont game. Yeah. Unbelievable. Ah, there you go. Um, yeah. I, and I'm, I'm, I'm hanging out for all the honours that uh, Tony Knott's going to rack up in the next couple of years. Yep. Um, and I'll be the first one there um, cheering him on and, and sucking the study with him. Yeah. Um, I want to touch on a few more things before a couple of segments. I know I'm, I'm taking a lot of your time and I do appreciate it. If you need to go, let me know. Um, no, 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 no. 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 And, and please cut that out. That This is... Brandon Ursig, <laughs> oh, no. this is uh, this is where we're right, and I will spend as much time as Brandon Ursig needs me to be. I oh, appreciate that. All right, let's pause it. So there we're going to we'll come back here before and, we get into um, some of this stuff, and we'll come back. Thanks, yeah, Brandon. Beautiful.